Welcome to this week's edition of Everything Fast Pitch by Fast Pitch Prep. Coach Don and I are here in the Cherokee Batting Range podcast studio getting ready to record episode number 295. We've got a really good show lined up for you this week. In our warm-up segment, we're going to talk about our city of the week, player of the week, equipment tip of the week, have a fun did you know, a great listener question, and of course, Paige's power play. In our leadoff topic, one of our patrons and longtime listeners, uh, Sam Unger, suggested a topic about talking about you know, we spend a lot of time talking about softball hotbeds and spend a little sure. bit of time talking about softball not hotbeds. Ooh, okay. All right. In our cleanup topic, uh, we're going to uh, talk about coaches keeping up with the current trends in the game and paying attention to what's going on currently. And in our action coach coaching tip of the week, Coach John's going to talk about manager training and how manager training applies to the world of fast pitch softball. So before we get into all those, let's talk about our sponsors. First, the Anderson Bat Company. Everything Fast Pitch is very proud to have Anderson Bat Company as our presenting sponsor. Anderson Bat Company is using the latest and greatest bat technology to corner the market in the fast pitch world. They have the minus 9 rocket tech, the minus 10 carbon, and the minus 11 carbon light. Anderson Bat Company is using this technology to put a high-performing bat in the hands of hitters that really know the difference between a good bat and a great bat. We're also working with Anderson to provide a discount for all of our listeners. Go to the Anderson Bat Company website and order your bats. Use the EFP20 discount, which is for everything fast pitch, and you'll get a 20% discount. And again, make sure you take advantage of that EFP20 discount. If you're buying your daughter a bat or a glove for Christmas, get her an Anderson. Use that EFP20. Yep. It's going to save you that additional 20%. It also helps to support the podcast at the same time. Also, let's talk about patreon.com slash everything fast pitch. If you're in a position where you can help us, we would love for you to become a patron. You go to the website and you go ahead and click through the system. It's five, ten, or twenty dollars a month. The patrons that we've had supporting us now for a long time are rock stars. This podcast would have been dead and buried years ago if we hadn't started with Patreon. And uh, we're certainly very excited to have the support that we have, but we'd love to add more people to it. So if you see value in what we're doing and want to be able to uh, keep this podcast alive forever. Make sure you go to patreon.com slash everything fast pitch and become a patron. So Don, let's talk about magic mind a little bit. You know, something that uh, you and I've both talked about. I know you're a coffee guy. I've always been a carbonated soda guy. So instead of having a cup of coffee in the morning for a very long time, you know, every day started off with a big old gulp of Mountain Dew or, or Coke or something like that, just to get a little you know, a little I see jolt. With Mountain Dew all the time. Yeah. I have to admit, I've never been a coffee person, but I'm very definitely a caffeine person. And what I'm finding now that uh, Magic Mind is filling that gap. So I feel like it's given me that little bit of a jolt in the morning, keeping me from drinking two or three Mountain Dews by lunchtime, You know, trying to get my energy level up. Um, it's something that I've just really enjoyed, uh, the impact that it's had. It's definitely you know given me that little bit of boost that I need to get going. Um, but it doesn't have the same kind of uh, after effect. It definitely doesn't have the uh, same impact on my waistline that all those Mountain Dews were having. Well, there's no doubt about that. And again, it's got a really a pretty good taste to it, Tori. And I'm usually at least a couple cups of coffee type of person. I've wanted to find a way to kind of trim that back. And I find that uh, if I drink the Magic Mind, that I don't even think about the coffee. And so to me, it's, it's a really cool thing. We want you to you know, give it a shot. So the best way for you to get started with your own uh, Magic Mind experience is you go to www.magicmind.com slash fastpitch. Uh, use the fastpitch20 discount code. That's going to save you on a, a one-time purchase or 
uh, if you decide to sign up for the subscription. Uh, but again, we're super excited about Magic Mind. I know it's doing a, a lot for me, uh, making me a lot more focused and, and uh, getting a lot more done. And we would love for you all to jump on board and give it a shot. So again, it's magicmind.com slash fastpitch. And then fastpitch20 is your discount code. So Don, our warm-up segment is sponsored by Bittinger and Styles DDS. They're located in Webster, Mass. If you have any dental needs at all and you're in that part of the country, reach out to the folks at Bittinger and Styles. They'll take good care of you. They are longtime supporters of this podcast. They've been with us since the first minute we talked about Patreon and then came on as a sponsor and uh, just doing a great job for us, and we would love for you to support them. So, Don, our city of the week this week is Phoenix, Arizona. Phoenix, Arizona. We've had fun there, too. Yeah. Tons of softball and clinics and all kinds of things. Yeah, it's a great softball, uh, great weather. NFCA convention has been there several yeah. times, um, you know, the greater Phoenix area. Um, they play high, high-level travel ball. You know, obviously, you've got Arizona State yeah. and University of Arizona, so you've got high-level, um, you know, big-time softball being played. Um, it's just an amazing part of the country for our game. And again, it's exciting for us. When we talk about a, a large city like Phoenix, seeing the numbers jump means that a lot of people came on board this week. You know, one of the things we ask every week is for you to find somebody uh, that uh, you know is as crazy about fast pitch as you are and give them you know the information. Let them know about everything fast pitch and coach prep. Give them a chance to listen to what we're talking about. I'm totally confident that if they listen once, they'll keep coming back. But it's always exciting for us when the numbers jump. It means a lot. It's for softball people, for sure. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. You know, there's there's other outlets if you're looking for news and interviews and those kinds of things. But basically, right. you know, we, we do some of that. But basically, we're here to you know for a couple of for old kids, coaches to talk about softball and yeah. and you know share ideas and information and opinions. And you know, again, obviously, our numbers keep keep growing and and we're reaching a lot of people. But we'd love to see that continue to increase as as we go forward. That only happens if they share. Absolutely. Yeah. Our player of the week this week, Don, is Chloe Bolino. She was nominated. Uh, because she's one of those players again that has overcome, has worked really hard, has has you know become uh, a very successful player. Uh, you know, our coach mentions that you know she's always been you know one of the smaller kids, one of the youngest kids on the different teams that she's played on, and because of her physical stature, sometimes gets overlooked. People don't necessarily sure. see the you know, they see the size of the dog, not the fight in the dog. Right. He wanted to brag on her a little bit because she's just done uh, a great job of of working hard. Um, she plays for a team called the Georgia Ghosts, Bolino 14U. She's really worked her tail off to improve her game overall. She uh, just finished up the season where she uh, threw 11 games, had 94 strikeouts, 1.427 nice. whip, posing batting average to 191, and even uh, you know had a couple of you know very outstanding specific games. Had a 15 strikeout seven inning game. You know just had an overall you know really solid. Fall season, you know, she played for Swainsboro Middle School. Their middle school team made it to the middle school playoffs and just had a win-win-win kind of uh, school ball season. Obviously worked hard to get there. Tori, I love it when some of our smaller players, uh, you know, have those types of successes. And, you know, when they work, work hard, when they stick with it, when they keep going, when they keep believing and training and doing things, when they have uh, those successes, I'm just elated. Because, uh, again, they can be a stick of dynamite, be the surprise, right? Yeah. It's like, how did she do that? But that sounds like she's got some really good numbers and uh, did a great job. And, it's and, nice and, that they and, took the time to nominate her, yeah. And like so many of the players that get nominated, it's the hard work and dedication and passion and things like that that are leading to that success. Chloe's situation, obviously, 
you know, feeling like uh, maybe being a little bit of an underdog in some circumstances might have helped motivate her and push sure. her a little bit more. But it definitely is one of those, it's the size of the fight in the dog, not the size of the dog in the fight. Dynamite comes in small packages yep. kind of thing. So yep. congratulations, Chloe. You are the fast pitch prep player of the week. Keep it up. So Don, equipment tip of the week. Let's talk about the Square Cuts training disc. Tori, again, we're getting down to the wire. This might be close to the last week to be able to order them. You know, it's getting close, but yeah. uh, it's a great gift for any coach. Know that we've sold tons and tons of them, but with all the people that are listening, there's tons and tons that uh, still need to get them. Right. And uh, if you can get those uh, before Christmas, great Christmas gift or something fun for New Year training and things like that. But uh, it's something that you can't go to the store and get. Right. You got you to get them here. Yeah. And it's a tool that is very flexible. You, you know, we designed it for hitting, but we know people who are a lot smarter than us figured out how to use it for throwing and sure. pitching and fielding and all kinds of different things. Uh, but it's a very durable tool. It's forty nine ninety five a dozen. Go to the fastpitchprep.com website. You order them up there and we'll get them shipped out to you right away. And again, for the player training at home, it's a must have for a team that's looking for some variety and something to add to practice that the kids are going to love. And the thing that's so valuable about it is you don't have to have somebody standing over your shoulder watching every swing you take to get something out of it. It is a really amazing tool um, that uh, we're very, very proud of. Don, did you know, you remember once upon a time when seeing a softball game on TV was like an amazing thing? I talk about this all the time. Back in 2007, you know, we had the upset of all upsets and we beat Alabama in the first game of the regional totally screwed up ESPN's plans because that was one of the two regionals that they were going to televise that year. And of course they were expecting to televise Alabama against Florida state and it ended up, they had uh, to scramble around and figure out how they were going to televise Tennessee tech versus California. Right. Cause the three and the four seeds were playing on the time slot because they both upset the teams that were supposed to win, but it was a big deal to be on TV back then. Well, here's how things have changed. Did you know, that this year Oklahoma played a series of inter-squad fall games that were all broadcast, all had announcers, instant replay, the whole nine yards. We're they were talking, treating. We're talking just inter-squad? Inter-squad games. So Oklahoma like split, practice. Yep. Yeah, Oklahoma split their team up into three teams. They did a three-team scrimmage type situation playing against their own players. Those games were on TV, and how big of a deal was it? The play of the day on ESPN's top 10 one was, day. Was a practice play? Was a practice game, scrimmage game, inter-squad game, where Oklahoma was playing against Oklahoma, at Oklahoma, in something that, you know, two years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, I mean, even parents wouldn't have been there to watch. And now it's on TV, it's got production value, it's got crowds. It's an amazing thing how our game has changed. No, I think that's super exciting, Tori. And again, their toughest competition is to play themselves too, maybe, right? Well, but I think it does say something about how, how good their team is. Yeah. That their second squad and third squad type players are capable of competing with their frontline kids. No, I think they kind of split it up a little bit. So oh, I'm you're sure. Mix yeah. and I'm, match te it, but, I'm teasing too, by the way. Uh, but it is kind of a crazy thing. So... Uh, did you know softball's become such a big deal that Oklahoma can broadcast their inter-squad games during the fall season? Amazing. And get a top 10 play of the game 
highlight on ESPN. And Tori, this is something we got to we got to keep it up. We've got to keep uh, you know the viewership up. We've got to watch and support and do all those things because I think that obviously is largely what has brought us to this point, right? Yeah, and it's gonna I think gonna keep going in the right direction. Yep. So, but keep uh, it up. Support it as much as you can. So, Don, that's gonna take us to our listener question, which is sponsored by Magic Mind. We talk about them in the uh, lead in every day, uh, but it's a par- product that we're totally committed to. It's a life changer for me. It's made a big difference in my day-to-day productivity. And if you want to get started with Magic Mind, you go to the website. It's www.magicmind.com slash fastpitch. And again, you can use the fastpitch20 discount. Give yourself a savings and get started on using Magic Mind in your in your day-to-day. So the listener question comes from David. And David wants our opinion. How much will allowing leaping by pitchers to change pitching in the college game and then throughout the ranks as it works its way down through all the other levels. Tori, that's one of those deals where it's going to simplify things, right? Because so many times we've had situations where somebody's pitching style hasn't thrown any red flags until the tail end, and then they're having to pitch differently at the end of the season because they're being a little bit more critical or a little more picky on the crow hop or whatever you want to call it. But I think it's just going to simplify things. It's like, throw it bring it we're gonna hit it and let's play let's play ball yeah no to me um i think it's a multi-layered question and and many layers to the answer but i think your point of having less for umpires to worry about having less of a argument constantly about whether she's leaping whether she's airborne i think that's going to simplify our lives in some ways now of course the next big thing is are they replanting and pushing a second time because that's the next progression of what happens typically with with to gain an that, advantage that, that yeah. leap. but i think it's going to simplify our lives in that regard and i think it does kind of level the playing field a little bit because in some circumstances you had pitchers that were leaping to different degrees you know some were clearly you know gigantically both feet in the air some were both feet in the air but it was a little bit closer to the ground so it wasn't quite so obvious some were doing it some of the time and not others sometimes Um, there's a trench there and sometimes it's right sometimes you're on a on a turf field so that you know there's nothing to dig into so there was a lot of variables that i think were, were creating some issues but it will definitely impact pitching um and i think it's going to help some pitchers drastically. The argument is, you know, what do you gain from the leap? And one of the old school arguments is that, you know, you are so much stronger driving off the ground. But the thing that I think people who are making that point are missing is that they've already driven off the ground. They've driven off the ground so powerfully that they do become airborne versus driving off the ground and staying close enough to the ground that you can drag your foot. And so I think it's going to, you know, again, give pitchers a little bit of a leg up what I'm hoping will happen now is that you know pitchers, especially at younger ages, will start to have some success again. So they'll want to be pitchers. You know, one of the things we've talked about at at nauseum is how there's not enough pitching to support the game the way we're playing it now. That there's so many travel ball teams that are out there with a pitcher and a pitcher and a half trying to play tournaments and things like that. That we definitely need more kids to want to pitch and. You know, maybe this will be a way for them to have a little bit more success, maybe not have to be worried about, you know, illegal pitches and stuff all the time. So maybe we'll deepen the pool a little bit, Um, but it will definitely work its way all the way down. You know, the one thing that I think is going to be nice with the college game adopting it is a lot of very successful younger pitchers coming into the college game had been getting away with leaping pretty consistently throughout their travel ball and high school careers. And then all of a sudden, boom, they're in a situation where they've got to make drastic changes to fix it. 
The player that I keep thinking about with this rule change is Emma Lemley, the girl who was a star at Virginia Tech her freshman year, but was getting called for illegal pitches at all the wrong times. You know, the sure. the, the, the nightmare story you were talking about where, yep. you know, right at the end of the year when, you know, the games mean the most, that's when the umpires started paying the most attention to something she had done all year long. Well, you know, now all of a sudden was a big thing and she was getting called for illegal pitches. You know, but I think she's the kind of player that's the perfect example of somebody that then had to make those changes, you know, got away from the leaping and then, you know, struggled drastically last year compared to what she did as a freshman. Well, there's so, such a fine line between being that that elite and that high right. end and then just, you know, taking a step yeah. back. Well, and if it's if she was 10% less effective, well, 10%'s a lot. At that point, for sure. Yeah, especially when you're, you're trying best. to you know, get the best hitters in the game out, so... David, definitely it's going to change the game. And I think in a lot of ways, I'm excited because of it. You know, I think we're you know still in a position where um, the rules will still give the hitters a fighting chance, but I'm, I'm not opposed to the pitchers being able to have a little bit more success than they've had you know, here in the last few years. And we've had very offensive competitive games, right? right? Where there's a lot of scoring, a lot of things. So again, to sway it back towards the pitchers a little bit, I think is okay. Yeah, no, for sure. I, yeah, and, and I like what you said, Tori, about the umpires not having to, is it or isn't it, or this time it was, or that time it wasn't, or, right. you know, I mean, play ball. The thing that I hated most, and there's two situations, one was the obstruction call, which the college game has changed some of the guidelines and rules for that, and the second was the illegal pitch. I don't want to spend the whole game right after something exciting happens looking to see if the umpires got their arm raised because it was a delayed dead ball because it was... <laughs> Bring it. Throw yeah, it. Let's yeah, hit it. Right. Let's play. And you know, there's a video right now on Facebook from uh, Men's yeah. Fast Pitch World yeah, yeah. that was getting all kinds of uh, responses Can from... Can we hit from, this? Yeah, yeah. From female parents, you know, from, uh, parents of uh, softball players, you know, female players, watching the stuff that the men can do that's legal in the men's game with the leaping and the crow hopping. And there, the, the, there is no such thing as the 24 inch lane and stuff like that. I mean, guys are you know flying all over the circle to throw pitches. I don't think we're headed to that just yet, but I think it's going to be a whole lot simpler life. Let them walk through and the whole bit. Yeah. yeah. All right. So Don, that's going to take us uh, to this week's edition of pages power play. Hey there, it's Paige, and it's that time to get another mental training tip in to work on your mental game, and we're talking about how to avoid letting one mistake turn into a bad day. You've probably felt like when you've made that one mistake and all of a sudden it feels like the world is ending, or that one mistake led to five more mistakes, or you made that mistake and it's all you can think about for the rest of the day. I feel you, girl, and I've got you. I teach the girls in my program these four different steps to, to confidence after a mistake. So after making a confidence, these are four things that you can do to start feeling confident again and feeling good and getting back in alignment with yourself. So number one is awareness. And this is just knowing that your thoughts are starting to spiral to a destruction and you're having mindfulness to be like, okay, Paige, it's happening. Shift your thoughts. Change the way that you're thinking right now, which leads us to step two, which is reflect. Ask yourself these three questions. What did I do well? What did I not do so well? And how do I get better? Step three is to remodel your thoughts. So 
see the lesson in your mistake, learn from it, use it as fuel, use it as a tool to get better and move forward. Tell yourself what you are actually capable. And this is where affirmations and positive self-talk, all that work and practice comes into place. For example, I would be telling myself, this is was one mistake. I'm a powerhouse. I can hit anything. Focus on what's next. And number four, my favorite is just go. Hit the go button. Trust your preparation. Trust your words. Trust your intuition. Trust you. And just remember, you get to control your thoughts. You control your feelings. You control your actions. Let go of the results. You get to play for you. You just play hard and you play for fun. This is how you stop letting one little mistake turn into a bad day, a bad weekend, or a bad week by doing these four easy steps. So keep on keeping on. Go do these four steps. Try it out and start putting a stop to letting that one mistake turn into a bad day. And make sure uh, you support Paige's programs, folks. I know uh, she brings a lot to the podcast with her weekly segments, uh, but we really want you and your player to sign up for some of her programs. Uh, she does a great job with helping players be more confident, play with uh, a lot more passion and fun in their game. And uh, again, we want to support that. Paige Tons, it's T-O-N-Z dot com. So our leadoff segment, Don, sponsored by Elite Sporting Goods. Elite's located at 905 Grayson Highway in Lawrenceville, Georgia. Phone number there is 678-377-0270. You can also contact them at EliteSportsOrders at Yahoo.com. Anything you need, bats, balls, gloves, uniforms, they're happy to ship anywhere around the country. And we talked about it last week. They've got this cool new machine. If you need a cool logo or something done, reach out to them. They can come up with almost anything you can imagine. I want to find something cool to do, Tori. That sounds kind of fun. Yeah, for sure. All right, so Don, this week uh, the topic was brought to us by Sam Unger. Sam is a longtime listener and a contributor and has really uh, helped us quite a bit. He raised an interesting question because we spend a lot of time, especially when we talk about our cities of the week and things like that, that places that are softball hotbeds. And his question was, are there any places that should be, could be, might be softball hotbeds or you would think they should be, but they're not? And I couldn't really think of any absolutely like specific places, but I think there are some places that when we think of the struggles that they have with weather, the things that they have to overcome to play the game at a high level. You know, I, I spent, you know, the first, you know, 35 years of my life living, living in Wisconsin and coaching in Wisconsin where we actually did have games in the spring snowed out in May. So the weather is everything but what you think of when you think about softball being, you know, the, the sport of choice in the, those parts of the country. You know, and anytime we start to talk about places where winter is really harsh, you know, where you have a lot of snow, you have the winter comes in early and it stays for a long time. I think those are all kinds of places that not necessarily that softball's not hot in those areas, but when we find players that are really successful from those parts of the country, we know they've had to do a whole lot more than maybe like our Georgia kids or Florida kids or Texas kids would have to do. You know, because Mother Nature just doesn't shine on them quite as brightly as she does on us. No, I think that's a, a perfect point, Tori, because when you say a hotbed, that's somewhere that you can play all the time. Right. And, you know, myself growing up in Canada and when we hear about, you know, kids that are being successful up north, like you said, you know that they had to get creative. They had to do something a little different right. than what's happening here in the south, whether it's throwing in the gym or 
can remember throwing under the bleachers in hockey arenas yeah. in the winter time and just crazy stuff. But to say that it's not a hotbed is kind of an interesting thought because right. because it's just fewer people maybe that are willing to do all those extra things in the cold weather areas. Right. Not as big a, a group of people. And I thought of one example. Um, I was listening to uh, In the Circle, their podcast. They were interviewing Rhonda Ravel, you know, the famous coach from Nebraska. And you know, Rhonda was talking about how they have two uh, great players from Nebraska that have returned to their program. Jordy Ball is uh, obviously the one that gets everybody's attention. But, you know, the state of Nebraska only has something like two and a half million people total, you know, for, for the entire state population wise. Winter hits there early and it hits there hard. And when it's winter there, it's winter there for a long time. So you think about a, a place like that, that you know, doesn't have the pool of players to draw from, certainly doesn't have the weather to, to draw from, but to say that it's not a hotbed, well, it might not be the numbers and the number of teams, but obviously one of the best players that's ever played college softball comes from there. Sure. So, you know, it's, it's kind of a, uh, I guess, a, a, an unusual way to think about it. You know, and, and, you know, again, thinking back over my career, you know, places that I've recruited and, and places that I've found players, you know, when I was coaching in Wisconsin, we had an amazing program at UW Parkside and almost every one of those kids came from Wisconsin. Almost none of those players played travel ball. You know, if they played in the summer at all, it was like the women's league at Wilson Park or something like that. It wasn't, you know, like traveling all over the country to play. You know, they were playing, you know, 20 or 25 maybe games in the summer. But we were still able to find a whole bunch of great players from the state of Wisconsin. We recruited them out of the high school programs much more than anything else. You kind of got the best of the best. Right. right. Yeah. And, and again, it was you know, an unusual circumstance at the time because yeah. softball in the Big Ten wasn't very big yet. University of Wisconsin didn't even have a softball team yet. And so you know, it was perfect, right place, right time. But you know, again, you know, when we would play certain parts of the, you know, teams from other parts of the country, and we'd you know, play a team from California or a team from Florida or Georgia that had, you know, a lot of reasons to think they should have had an advantage. Like all these girls are from Wisconsin. Like they couldn't, you know, they couldn't wrap their heads around the fact that, you know, that we could have this amazing of a team with kids from a part of the country that doesn't necessarily, you know, have the, all the bells and whistles. And now travel balls become such a big deal in really almost every corner of the country now that I think that there's still going to be pockets and places where even though a certain state or certain region might not be thought of as a hotbed, there's still plenty of really good softball. But again, as we said earlier, there's a lot more work being done. You know, you might have a, you know, a kid from up in, you know, the North Woods of Wisconsin, someplace that has to travel quite a bit to be on a team, just another Wisconsin team, sure. let alone to, you know, jump on a plane and go play for a team from some other part of the country. And then there's you know, other kinds of places over the years. You know, think about the big giant cities in the Northeast, you know, like New York City, uh, Philadelphia, Boston. That I never saw a Could lot be of some players. challenges there. Yeah. I never yeah. saw a lot of players from that area, from those areas that I recruited. But there was a lot of reasons for that. There's still tons of great softball players. But you know, when you think about some of these big giant cities, you know, where, where how many you know softball fields are there, and you know how many places are there for the kids to you know, go and play, you know, a lot of times you, you would go to a tournament in, in that part of the country and it'd be a, two fields at a middle school and then two fields at a high school and, you know, not so much the big giant complexes and stuff like that. So again, it was more of a, how hard people were working to put something special together. And of course, you know, there's, I mean, a city like New York, where there are 10 million people, I mean, yeah. obviously there's an awful lot of kids that are great softball players, but it's not one of those things you know, when you think about 
what are the places where you think about softball? Well, you think about, you know, Southern California, you know, Los Angeles, San Diego, and then boom, you know, there's, you know, that's, that's a hotbed. You know, sure. now you think of the Atlanta area, the state of Georgia, that's a hotbed. You think of Texas, you know, around Florida Dallas and, and yep. you know, that's a hotbed and then Florida, obviously. So, you know, but there's other places that are still producing an awful lot of great kids. You just don't necessarily have the ease of access that we have Comforts. in some other parts of the country. Yeah. And so, Sam, I guess that we didn't really answer your question. It's not like I'm going to say that, you know, well, this place should be great at softball and they're not. Right. But I think that what we have to see is that there's a lot of places that softball is maybe not quite as well known or not quite as easy to have access to that's still cranking out a lot of great players. Different challenges, that, but they're doing it. Yeah, but they, and they're, they're finding ways to overcome those challenges and still get it done. And so, you know, to me, the fact that our game is so popular so many places, and I know this is a crazy thing, but whenever I fly someplace, as we're getting close to landing or when we're taking off, you know, the one thing That's I'm, all I'm doing, looking for, right? Yeah, I'm looking out the window, where, saying, where the where's complexes? the complexes? Where, you know, where's the cool looking softball fields? And it was a crazy thing. The other day I was watching something on uh, Netflix, a documentary. I couldn't even tell you what it was, but at one point in, in the show, they were doing like a drone shot over this area where, uh, where this event had taken place. And all of a sudden it's like, dang, that's a cool looking softball field. I love it. And I had to yeah. re- rewind to go back and look on the on the video to you know to to look at the softball field in a movie that had nothing to do with softball. I like trying to figure out if yeah. I know what what complex it is, right, or, and, and yeah. that kind of thing. But so not that we're crazy or anything. But uh, Sam, thank you very much uh, for the suggestion. You know, we always want our listeners to get involved. If you have questions, comments, ideas, suggestions, player of the week nominations. Please make sure you reach out to us, fastpitchprep at gmail.com or everythingfastpitch at gmail.com. So, Don, that's going to take, up to take us to our cleanup topic. Cleanup topic is sponsored by Pinnacle Power Butter. Everything Fast Pitch is very proud to be sponsored by Pinnacle Power Butter. It's a nutritious snack that every athlete should have in their bag of tricks. It will allow you to get a great snack, something that's healthy and nutritious, all natural, and goes a long way towards making a ball player a better one. And, Tori, our listeners can get their... Pinnacle Power Butter at PinnaclePowerButter.com, and they can place their order there. Again, that's PinnaclePowerButter.com. If they use their promo code of EFP10, they can also get a 10% discount. And we're really excited that they're on board with us. Products are great. We've used them and tried them at home. The whole family loves it. And please take advantage of that EFP10 discount. Again, it's a great way for you to save an additional 10% on your purchase and support the podcast at the same time. So, Don, I had this thought the other day, and it was uh, something that you know, we were talking about the hot take experts on ESPN and how you know the, the whole goal now on some of these shows is not necessarily to even talk about the news as much as it is to say something shocking or say something sure. you know, outlandish. And the topic was Bill Belichick. In many circles, you know, Belichick is thought of as, you know, maybe the greatest NFL coach of all time, you know, one of the greatest of all time, you know, won, uh, you know, all these Super Bowls for the Patriots and, and all these things. Well, they're having a pretty bad year. And all of a sudden now he somehow forgot how to coach. Sure. But one of the things that they were talking about is that one of the complaints and one of the things that one, I think it was Stephen A. Smith was saying was that. You know, he's lost touch with the modern game, that he isn't, you know, not keeping up with the Joneses, with the so changes, to speak, with the changes yeah. of, as the game has developed. And that thought just made me wonder for a second, because I think that that happens in our game quite a bit. And we talk about it that, you know, you see some older coaches, people that have been coaching for a long time, that are very set in their ways, they're, you know, doing things pretty much the same way now as they were doing it in 10 years ago or 20 years ago or 30 years ago. 
you know, the things that they're teaching, the things that they're saying, uh, the techniques that they're, you know, trying to get their players to use haven't really changed much. I wanted us to talk about that a little bit because I think that that's a trap that all of us can fall into as coaches and, and, and even as parents, but making sure that we're paying attention to what's going on in the world, you know, watching the trends, thinking about the changes and things that people are talking about. It doesn't mean that new is always better, but I think new ideas are always worth paying attention to and listening to and, and analyzing. That's interesting, Tori, too, because uh, I find that that's a thing for me as well, because if it's not broken, don't fix right. it and all those, you know, all those different things. But, but the world is changing around us. Technology is changing and the athletes are changing. The commitment level is changing. The number of athletes are changing. There's a lot of things that are changing. And, uh, you know, we talk about the changes in recruiting and all these other, you know, the methods of how to get to where we want to be. You know, for us as coaches, I think it's healthy for us to be open to altering our, our path. Right, and it's okay for us to to change gears and to try things and um, to continue that experiment. And even though it's hard, because I didn't really get it when I was younger, but you know, being set in your ways is is a thing that you know that we all kind of do without even thinking about it. Right. Well, you know, habits are a hard thing to break. If habits were easy to break, nobody would have bad habits. Right. Right. I mean, nobody would be fat. Nobody would smoke. Nobody would you know drink too much. Nobody would be doing any of those things because. You could just say, hey, I, I should stop doing that. Well, the same thing's true for coaching. You know, a lot of us have you know, deep-seated habits, and, and you said you know, you know, yourself that if we're having success doing something a certain way, it seems logical to think that you know, if we keep doing that, we're going to keep having success. And uh, I think with the trap that we fall into in, in our game is that we still have some success, but are we having as much success as we possibly could have if we were trying some new things or maybe a little bit more open-minded? And you know, the example I use all the time is I can remember when I first started coaching, there was a big push towards trying really hard to hit the ball on the ground all the time. You know, you'd see, you know, there was like uh, Charlie Lau was a big proponent in the world of baseball. We're basically, you know, teaching hitters to start with your hands really high and swing down like at a 45 degree angle, almost on top, you know, trying to hit the top of the ball so you could pound it into the ground. I mean, there were major league teams doing that kind of thing. There was, you know, professional baseball players that thought that, you know, if we can just pound it into the ground, that that's a good thing. Well, now with, you know, technology changing and things like that, all of a sudden people have figured out that some of that stuff we used to think was really cutting edge and, and smart stuff doesn't necessarily make so much sense anymore. And doesn't mean that everything that you know we learned is useless but I think we need to also be willing to take some of what we're already good at and maybe adjust it a little bit, maybe add a little bit, maybe a little bit different way of saying something. And again, you know, the, the target audience that we're trying to reach has changed so much now in these last few years, you know, kids now spend so much of their life with their face in their phone and, you know, on screens and, and, you know, so much of their world is brought to them, you know, that way that, Maybe we need to incorporate more of those kinds of things in our coaching to make sure that we're reaching the kids that we're trying to t trying to teach. And Tori, as you're saying that too, there was a time for old school, and that was then, right? And this is now, and just like you said, the kids are different, and the environment they are in all day before they come to practice is different. So we probably need to be a little bit different, right? And, and flexible and be enough. Okay, be right? okay to do that, yeah. And because I think one of the things that happens to us, because you know, as coaches, we're supposed to be the experts. 
And somehow it just goes against the grain for me to supposedly be an expert and then have to admit that there's a better way of doing something than what I, what I thought. Takes a little bit of, I guess, confidence or, or maturity or something like that from a, from a coach's perspective to be able to get up in front of your team and say, well, you know, this might be a little bit better. And, and you know, I've talked about this example a dozen times at least. Several years ago, this is 15 years ago probably now, at the start of the NFCA convention, they would always do like an extra, like half a day, super intense topic where you would have, you know, somebody come in and, and that was really highly thought of that was the expert in the area to do like a four hour, five hour, like really intense seminar on something. You know, uh, Brian Kane was there one year. That's when I got introduced to first mental, I'd ever heard of mental game mental stuff. Mental game, yeah. And I was sitting there and like I couldn't write fast enough to write down all the stuff that he was talking about. That I was like, oh, I got to start doing this, and it was all brand new to me. Well, the next year, two years later, Coach Candrea gets up there, and you know, and everything that I was teaching from a hitting perspective at that point in time, I had stolen absolutely from Coach Candrea and Arizona softball. I had the VHS video library of all of the tapes that he had created, you know, from hitting drills to hitting philosophy to, you know, everything that, that he said was to me, the absolute gospel of all things softball. He could have said said, anything. Did you say VHS? Yeah, I said VHS. Yeah, I know. That's how long ago it was. (laughs) How how many listeners out there have a VHS player? Yeah, uh, yeah. not very many, but to me, that, that kind of he was the God of all things hitting. There was nobody that, I mean, no one else in our game that people thought of as nearly as expert as, as Coach Candrea. Times changed. Right. Well, and so you know, I was super excited. I, I couldn't wait to send in my money for the extra seminar that year. I was like sitting in the, you know, the second row. I got there you know, right and early to make sure I got a good seat so I could be right up front. I seriously had like a, uh, like almost like an out of body experience because this is how he started his presentation. Well, I really do appreciate all of you that have supported my videos and all those kinds of things for all these years. And you know, we've really had a lot of success at the University of Arizona. But over this last couple of months, guess what I've figured out? A lot of what I used to think just doesn't really make sense anymore. And a lot of what I've been teaching you and and preaching to you, we're going to change some of that today because. Talking to some other people that also know a little bit about hitting, they've convinced me that a lot of what I thought was wrong. So he evolved. Then he went on for four hours talking about the new things that he was doing, and it's like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. Wow, that's great. Oh, I never thought of that. Holy cow, where'd you hear that? Well, he talked to somebody else who knew something about hitting. But the thing that I always was impressed by and came away from, if anybody in the world of fast-pitch softball could have been sitting up on the high horse on the throne saying, Peasant, don't talk to me about hitting. Look at what I've done. I'm, you know, I'm the best hitting coach on the planet. You know, I'm selling videos to everybody that wants to coach this game. Everybody believes I'm the expert of all experts. You have nothing to say to me. I'm going to just keep doing what I'm doing. But that guy was willing to go, damn, I was wrong. And that to me was the like absolute lightning bolt moment. So for all of our coaches out there that are still doing stuff the same way that they did five years, 10 years, 15, 20 years ago. Just think if Candrea was wise enough to look at it and say, you know, I could do some things better. I could make some changes. I think we all need to be thinking a little bit more along those lines. Be open to it for sure, right? And that doesn't mean that everybody's going to have that epiphany and scrap everything that they're doing. It's not, but, a, it's not a scrap, it's an evolution. Right. It's a, you know, but I think, well, and, and to me, I think it's important that we start to have more thoughts along those lines. And so coaches, parents, 
I, I deal with this with dads all the time, you know, that I'm working with their kid on something in the, in a lesson, talking about something in the cage and we're working on something. I can just see from the look on their face that they're, they're not buying it. And so I almost have to have some, you know, lessons where I'm, you know, position myself to make sure I'm talking to both the player and the dad at the same time, because the same thing, I had a dad not, not three weeks ago. Well, I want her to hit it on the ground. If she hits it on the ground, she's going to get on base more often. I said, well, yeah, she's going to get on base more now because the defense stinks. Right. But two years from now, those balls she's hitting to the shortstop, she's not going to be beating those out anymore. She's going to be out. Well, if you hit it on the ground, they got to pick it up and throw it across the field, and then they got to catch it, and you know they got to do three things to, to get her out. And if she hits it in the air and, and they catch it, she, they only got to do one thing. I said, yeah, that's what we all thought back in the 50s, in the 60s, in the 70s. Mm-hmm. But here's what I th- will tell you. How many people play on the infield? Well, there's four infielders in the pitcher. Uh, so you got five people covering one-third of the field, and you got three people covering two-thirds of the field. Which area has more space to hit in? Oh, well, but if they catch it, well, yeah, if they catch it, they catch it. But if you're trying really hard to hit it where people are more likely to be, that might be a faulty strategy. I could just see, you know, he didn't want to listen. He didn't want to, you know, couldn't quite, you know, get there, but we've started to you know, melt the ice a little bit. So we'll see how it goes. But again, we all need to be open-minded. You know, we talk all the time about how parents can influence whether their kids are going to be coachable or not. If on the ride home from a lesson, that poor girl keeps hearing, well, you know, Coach Tory's okay, but, you know, make sure you hit it on the ground. And then she comes back to her lesson, and we're talking about hitting line drives. We're going to have problems. There you go. All right, so that's going to take us to this week's Ashen Coach Coaching Tip of the Week. Coach John's going to talk to us about manager training. So recently I shared some comments about the value in employee training. Today I want to talk about the value in manager training. This came up because we're working on some, some training programs. One's a, a sales master class and the other's a manager master class. And it got me to thinking, well, which is more important? Do you want to work on your team on skills like sales or is it better to work on the manager? Uh, and often in my cases, it's the owner. Okay. So I found some stats from the World Economic Forum and the ROI Institute, and they compared employee training and manager training. When you do those things, you get a 10% productivity. Just like on the softball field, we have, if we have a good practice, we're going to see a better team the next time out. Employee training gave 15% greater innovation after the fact, but manager training gave 17% higher engagement. So you got to think, which would you rather have? Innovation is important. We definitely need to innovate. But often it's just the blocking and tackling and the basics and the engagement uh, that we're looking for. But the key to me was on the manager training, we saw 19% improvement in profitability and a 315% return on investment. So if you think about it, this makes sense. You can, you can do the training of the manager. When the manager gets better, the team's going to get better. They're going to be able to communicate to the team better, and they can transfer that knowledge on into the organization. Same thing goes for the softball team, right? Certainly, we can we can recruit certain types of players that have certain abilities, and we can train those players in different skills, learning the game, things of that nature. But if we're a better coach, then we're likely to have better practices, better drills, better communication, things of that nature. Same thing happens in business. If we're a better manager we can have and develop those better employees that we're all seeking. So like I said, I have got some training classes coming out in the near future. One's a sales class and the other's a manager's class. 
you're a business owner or a business leader, you may be interested in either one of those for your team. So if you want to connect, talk about business or softball, just reach out to me, John Davis at actioncoach.com. And as I said, if we end up doing any business together, a portion of those proceeds are going to go to Fast Pitch Prep and a Fast Pitch Prep podcast. Either way, we're going to work on your business so that it works so you don't have to. I'm John Davis. Now is a great time to get into action. All right, so Don, that's going to wrap up number 295. Please support our sponsors, the Anderson Bat Company, Magic Mind, Bidinger and Styles DDS, Elite Sporting Goods, Pinnacle Power Butter, and Action Coach. Make sure you become a patron. Go to patreon.com slash everythingfastpitch. Go through the steps. You can uh, sign up and help support the podcast. We would certainly appreciate that. Make sure you go to the fastpitchprep.com website or to your Square Cuts training discs. You'll have access to the YouTube channel and the, and the blog posts. And again, uh, tons of information. Make sure that you reach out to us if you have questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas at fastpitchprep at gmail.com or everythingfastpitch at gmail.com. So for Coach Don McKinley, our producer Stan Lewis is Coach Tory saying thanks for listening. We'll talk to you again next week.